Hello and welcome back to the Public Eye Business Podcast brought to you by Granite Exchange. I'm delighted to be your host, Sarah Travers. And throughout this series, I'll be speaking with local entrepreneurs and business owners to learn more about how their companies have come to be, to gain insight into their growth and find out how they continue to innovate. So wherever you get your podcasts from, remember to keep an eye out for all new episodes and subscribe to stay up to date. Well, today in the studio, I'm joined by Adrian Markey, Managing Director at Adrian Markey Chartered Accountant. Adrian, you're very welcome to the podcast studio. How are you today? Good, sir. Thanks. Good. Well, let me tell you a little bit about Adrian and his business. Adrian is a chartered accountant and based in Warren Point here in Northern Ireland. He qualified as an accounting technician in 2010 and then as a chartered accountant in 2013. Since setting up the firm in 2016, he's been twice nominated for Accounting Excellence Awards in 2017 for New Firm of the Year and in 2018 for the Practice Pioneer Awards. Now, let's face it, where would entrepreneurs be without an accountant to keep us right from the get-go? So we'll be talking to him all about that world. But more recently, Adrian has turned his attention to the role of AI in business and how this is likely to impact the landscape of work in the coming years. So very interested to talk about that. And he actually spoke at the Northern Ireland Business Conference in September last year about how AI can help businesses and why it can't be ignored. So, Adrian, lots to talk about here today, but tell me a little bit about the man. Who is Adrian Markey? Tell us about yourself. Um, where do you start with a question like that? Um <laughs> Listen, I, I'm I'm just a, a, a man from Warren Point who um, fell into accountancy sort of by chance. Um, happened to like it, happened to enjoy it. Turned out I was pretty good at it. Um, and then just over the years, that turned into starting a firm and building up a portfolio of, of, of clients. So when you say you fell into it, how did you fall into it? So... <laughs> Years ago, I used to do a bit of, bit of music about the town, and uh, in 2007, I I met a girl, and about 2008, when I was still sort of gigging, I noticed sort of as, a, as an early symptom of the, the financial crash that was coming, that the pubs and clubs were getting quiet, and it was harder to find gigs, and it was harder to make money, um, and at the time, this girl was doing... Uh, accountancy and I asked her what's that like she says yeah I like it so I thought look I'll I'll give that a go um and now we're, we're married two, char- oh. two chartered accountants in the house Fabulous. so uh, it's it's sort of gone full circle now yeah I'm glad I asked that follow-up question yeah. there's always a story <laughs> and sometimes it uh, involves a little bit of romance too okay so you thought what's that like I'll give it a go um you obviously liked it it's not for everyone but as no. I said at the start Accountants, you know, there's there's nothing as certain in life. What is it? The quote says, apart from death and taxes. Death so and taxes, yeah. <laughs> we have to keep ourselves right. But okay, so you saw that you liked it. You had a flair for it, obviously, yeah. and then you started your own business. Yeah, well, I, I done my training in, in in an accountancy practice, and from there tried out a few different roles within industry. So it kind of I always talk about the difference between working in practice and working in industry is practice is breadth and industry is depth. So when you're working in practice, you're working with all sorts of clients across a broad spectrum of industries. And that's what I love about it. With with working in industry, 
you go very deep on one particular sector, you know, whatever the, the business is that you're working on and you kind of know all the intricacies of that. I didn't I didn't like that as much. Um, I preferred the variety, certainly, of, you know, one day doing books for, you know, a, a multi-million pound, you know, marketing firm and the next day it's it's Joe the Farmer, you know, and you've kind of that variety and that, those different people and that variety even in in your diary because working in industry is quite structured. You kind of know the third Tuesday of every month what you're doing and it gets very repetitive. So I, I, I tended to gravitate back towards practice. So um, I kind of phased my way out of industry. Um, I was working for a construction company at the time and that was when the port, the, the side hustle, the, the side project of the practice kind of um, built up a little bit and I kind of reached this tipping point where it required more of my time and attention than the other. So it, it just meant taking the jump and, so and you made the hoping leap. for the best. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, the side hustle was going on, but do you remember your first client? Do you remember, you know... That first person? Yeah, first, first client was actually a, a, a good friend of mine from, from just next door where we are here, Graham Finnegan, who I think was on the podcast as indeed, well. Yeah. Yes. Um, and f- it's, Great it's, it's funny how it went full circle as well because back when I was a musician, that's how I met Graham. He was looking, when he opened Grounded, he was looking to have music in Grounded. So I started out doing that, you know, doing a few gigs for him and it ended up, I ended up organising all the gigs for Graham because... He'd ring me on a Friday and be like, oh, I forgot to book someone. Can you come down and do it? And I was like, I, I can't, but I know someone that can. And I was like, do you want me to just look after this for you? So, um, so yeah, Graham was, was client number one then whenever I, whenever I get into the, the accountancy. So it was a good client to have. Um, he, he's well known and it has that bit of gravitas. I think that when you go to a, another client that you can point to them and go, look, I'm not just playing about here. I've got a, mm-hmm. a decent business here who's, who's, who's put their faith in me. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's always something that I'm... That's massive, isn't it? And, faith, and, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then, I suppose, word of mouth? Word of mouth, yes. I, I, I was quite... Um, what would you say? When I started out my own firm, there, I, had a, I had a list of things that I wanted to do where I felt other firms weren't doing it well or you know do I want to do things this bit differently um can you remember so, that list social was definitely one of them you know and, and very early on I was picking up clients from Facebook Snapchat Twitter and just by being not by being salesy because I, I, I don't think that's a good way to go about getting someone's trust um or getting someone to trust you it it was about being conversational it was about putting out content as well that um I used to always say that, that I would put up blog posts and I would say to people, I don't need you to understand what I'm writing about here. I need you to believe that I know it. Mm. And if you can do that, that kind of is, is, a, is a touch point then for you to say, well, I've seen his content. I know who his clients are. I'll pick up the phone and give him a call and see what he has to say. And, and for me then, it was always that face-to-face with the client of having the meeting with them, talking about what they're pressure points were where they were struggling with their business how we could help to what extent we could help you know do you want us to do everything for you or do you just want to come into us once a year and we'll keep you compliant right and having that uh, flexibility in the service that you provide i suppose to sort of cater for what people need you're not going to upsell everybody to you know we'll be your shadow finance team 
That's really interesting as well, because I I don't, you know, I probably was one of those people that just wanted to be kept compliant. But actually, if somebody came to me and said, did you know, or I could do, or there's more here, or do you want to have a chat about something? Actually, that would be so useful. It is. And that's, to me, that's where, in those meetings, that's where the magic happens. Because we can can go and do the numbers, Mm. and we can send you a copy of them. But when we sit down and talk to you about them, that's where, where things come out of the woodwork and it could be something innocuous about oh, I was looking at a house recently and we go hold on you need a mortgage therefore you need particular earnings levels you need to show repay, affordability for a mortgage you know what can we do within the accounts to help that or what can we advise you to do to plan for that whether it's saving for a deposit or you know doing a quick check on, on, on whether you would get a mortgage in the first place and it's it's small innocuous comments sometimes that'll that'll kind of spark something Mm-hmm. Uh, that you need to plan for. I I, I joke with with clients as well, <laughs> semi joking. Uh, you know, if you, if you're gonna get married or have kids, you need to tell me first, because because <laughs> there's just so much sort of planning around that from a tax perspective. Some some clients have taken me seriously on that, and like back there before Christmas, we had a client saying. We haven't told the parents yet, but we want to let you know. Well, especially <laughs> with the cost of weddings these know. days, like exactly. Yeah. Oh do gosh. You know? So. Th- Talk to the accountant first, and what would you do then at that point? It's it's more just having an awareness because you can you can look at a, a set of numbers and draw some conclusions, but unless you know something about the people behind the numbers and what their plans are, you know, if you have kids, so many things in in life change because even from a financial point of view, that's a that's a that's a cost. Not to talk about kids as a cost, but they are <laughs> um, very costly. You know, if you're if you're planning for. Uh, college or things like that, or maybe you know the, the the child might be the catalyst for we need a bigger house and mm-hmm. things like that. So it's just having an awareness so that you can you can uh, plan for it and factor that into you know my thinking. So you're not a spontaneous person, then, Adrian. Me, yeah. Um, probably not enough. Yeah. Is anybody spontaneous enough? No, uh, but you know there's that level of risk as well about you know big life decisions and doing things and and I'm really interested because you've started your own business so you're an yeah. entrepreneur as well. In terms of staff, how many people do you have working for you now? So we've got five at the minute. Um, I think people have often said, "Oh, how big are you yet?" And I always say, "I'll, I'll, I'll keep going until it gets uncomfortable." I think that's just, I don't want to, um, I'm, I'm ambitious enough in so much as I don't want to limit myself, but at the same time, I'm, I, I, I want to, I don't want to put myself in an early grave with it either, mm. you know. It is um, stressful at times, I'm sure. And yeah, it's it's really good, I suppose, to have an exit strategy or even get to that point. Are you at that point now where you're working on the business rather than mm. in the business? Yeah, yeah. And and it's, that's, uh that's a lesson in itself in how to how to and how to delegate first and foremost because and if your name's above the door my name's and above do the people door, want yeah. you and how do you let go yeah that was difficult that was difficult um there's only one way to do it and that's to do it so essentially and and listen i I've, I've been very lucky in that I've got some fantastic staff there um so I've just started in the last couple of years probably going right that's yours you you look after that. Come to me with any issues or problems, but I trust you that you won't drop the ball on it. And in fact, I trust you that you'll do a really good job of it. I'd like to think I'm going to do a better job at it, but I don't have the time. And in reality, you'll probably do it better than I will. And that's a great lesson, isn't it? And it requires a mindset shift, doesn't it? Yeah. In, 
for the for the entrepreneur, the person who started yeah. this. This is your baby. This is everything. So much uh, is about trust and getting the right people yeah. in who will not only do as good a job as you, but a better job than you. And even the potential of that, you could be a little bit woo. Oh, that's a bit dangerous if they're better than me. No, uh, no, I'm I'm I'd be ecstatic <laughs> yeah. if they are because people will surprise you. People will excel if they're given the opportunity to excel. If you hold someone back and say, no, no, I'm not going to give that task or that job to you or that client to you. I'm going to look after that because it's so important. If you hand them the big important job, most won't take that for granted because I didn't take it for granted when the client handed it to me. You know, I realised I had to earn their trust. I had to do a good job on that. I had to impress them. I had to go above and beyond their expectations. And I hope that over the years, we as a team have, have done that. I think we have. But we'll keep striving to anyway. Now, you've been nominated twice for the Accounting Excellence Awards. What was that like? Um, Probably a little anticlimactic. Oh, not, the not, nomination not, rather not than the win. Way. I didn't win, um, so that 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 wasn't <laughs> that was partly anticlimactic. Yeah. But as much as anything, what does it mean? What does the what is being nominated mean? It just means that you know you were on a short list of people that weren't clients or friends or family. Mm. So it was a, it was nice, but it was an affirmation that I probably didn't need. Really, mm-hmm. I'd rather I'd rather get the the gratitude from a client or a staff member or my friends my family than a, a faceless body interesting like. and you know so i think in people terms place of award, too much importance on, on awards. awards okay yeah. and what Could, nominating themselves for awards nominating themselves yeah. and if it was the client had nominated it would have been a totally different thing totally yeah. totally totally and you see that you know that old thing of like music awards where people go up and say this one really means something because it was voted for by the fans yes and it's you that, get that it's that kind of thing where i think a lot of awards the minute are you'll win this if you buy a table at the oh, at the event is that the way you, you think there's a little bit of that in it as well mm-hmm. and again look it's 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 something that you can kind of hold out in front of yourself and say yeah look this is the level that we're at now but um to me, it's it, it probably holds a little less importance than than some other things, than many other things in life, within, within and outside of business. Mm-hmm. What do you think then has been your biggest achievement? Again, I think that's something that's... I, I like the small incremental achievements, you know, rather than... You know, you do have those sort of moments where you land the, the big client or, you you know something goes really well for a client that you've helped out on and things like that. And and to that extent, we've had moments like that where, you know, we've had clients that have had, you know, millions of pounds of investment or millions of pounds in, in, in high-profile projects and things like that, and we've been along for the ride. But um, for me, the achievements are small and incremental. It can be just to, you know, come back to the thing of giving staff a task to do and they kind of go above and beyond, you know, well, that's... That's something that, that, you know, you've got somebody in here now that um, can see, that has the passion for something to want to, to push on that little bit. And I like seeing those little small things happening or um, even just things of, of, of clients comedy and saying, or, you know, a new client comedy and saying, oh, such and such recommended. And I'm like, that's good because we didn't know where we stood with that client, that whether they were happy good. with the service or yeah. not. And they're actually passing yeah. the referral on. So, yeah, I, I, I like the... the the small incremental 
slow and steady improvements. Mm. I think that's that's the, the, the route to longevity. And it's quite humble as well when you think about it. You don't take anything for granted and you don't rest on your laurels to use yeah. two cliches. But Absolutely. And it's it's something we say, I say to clients quite a lot is, look, thank you for trusting us. Because it's a huge thing, because I know as well, look, from having your own business, you're protective of it and you don't want to just hand it over to, to anyone to kind of, you know, your task is to keep us compliant, to keep us out of jail, to make sure we pay the right taxes and all the rest. That's a that's an undertaking. You know, that's that's difficult to let go of. Um, so, yeah, absolutely humbling that, that people would trust us with something so important to them. And also, when you're working in a small area where you probably know lots of people, there's the whole talking about money thing as well. It's mm-hmm. like, here you go, you can see everything. Yeah. That's hard too. Or there's not? Do you think that, that pe- people like to go to somebody in their, in their town that they know? There's a mix. Surprisingly, um, I was having this conversation with someone before Christmas. I could probably count on one hand, the num- two hands at most, the number of clients that we have in Moran Point. Interesting. And I'm from Warren Point. Right. Okay. So, so what does that say? So, well, it, it could say any number of things. One is, yes, look, I don't want my next door neighbour knowing that. Mm-hmm. Um, or it could be, look, there's lots of great accountants out there. They maybe already have one. And if you're happy with what you have, stick with it. Sometimes better the devil, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I think it probably speaks to our um, marketing and things as well. And like we have, we have a lot of clients beyond Northern Ireland as well. We've quite a lot of clients over in, in England, um, a few in Scotland, quite a few down south as well. Um so we, we, we haven't maybe maybe we haven't focused on, on targeting businesses in and around that area. I don't know. They know we're there. Um and we're we're happy to, to help anyone that needs it. So. And it is is it the sense that, oh, you know, my dad used this person and the uh, before is that a Northern Irish Definitely. thing that we stick Definitely. with what the fact yeah. we know? There is a bit of that, yeah. But again, I would always say, and look, it probably plays nicely for me if if, if I can prize you away from your dad's accountant. But there's an age thing, I would think, there as well, in that if you have a, a, a young, enthusiastic startup that don't want to go to an accountant that's on the cusp of retirement mm-hmm. and start talking to them about, you know, AI or new tech or all these new things that are coming out because th- th- there's a there's a disconnect possibly between what their strengths are and what the accountant's strengths are. So there's probably a little bit of that as well. But I always say to people, you know, go and talk to f- five different accountants and whoever you get on the best with that you think will be able to help you go to them because they are the person that you want to be able to pick up the phone and go, just want to run something by you. Yeah. You know? And you have to have that rapport with them and have that relationship to be able to be frank and open with them and, and vice versa. And especially too, when we're talking about entrepreneurship, many people start small and, you know, there's not much money to go around. Yeah. And even paying for the accountant at yeah. the start is like one of the biggest bills that you might have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then maybe you're on the, the growth journey mm. or you're trying to scale and then suddenly there's the turnover is much greater, but the costs are greater and all of those things. But really, you can keep them. You can keep people right right from the start, as you say, up until, yep. you know, the growth kicks in. Exactly. And and being compliant, it's, it's a lot easier to do something in year than to try and go back and tidy up four or five years. You know, and we, we, we do that. Sometimes you get people that get themselves in a model and have all these letters coming in from HMRC and... They try to do it themselves, and and some people can absolutely do it themselves. They don't need me, 
right? That's that's fine. Um, if you don't know the rules, it can be much harder, even just from an administrative point of view of what, who do I need to register with, what do I need to file, when do I need to file it by, and what, when do I need to pay? Yeah. You know, those are the, the, the basics that if you, if you get those wrong, that's when the problems and the fines and the penalties can start mounting up, and that's where the cost really kicks in. So the, the investment in the accountant should realistically save you money in the long run um, if they're good. And you've also given the advice there to shop around, have those conversations. Don't just point and click, there's somebody, yeah. I'll go with them. Um, how do you feel then? This is the opportunity to do the bit of the sales pitch, but how do you, how do you set your business apart from everyone else? <laughs> I suppose it is that kind of, um, it's a number of things, it's a number of things. Um, it's having options for clients, I think that's important. Um, there is no one size fits all. So it's about sitting with somebody, investing a bit of time in them to understand them, to understand their business, to understand what they want from the business in the next 5, 10, 20 years. Um, and at that point then we can set out a roadmap of, okay, you can you can do this. Here's this kind of a bare bones minimum that you have to do. Here's a little bit extra that we can, we can help with that would kind of maybe give you a bit more visibility into the business, a bit more insight. Or you can kind of go the whole hog and let's look at wealth management and succession planning and setting yourself up for whatever. You know, the advice that you give to someone is going to differ greatly depending on, you know, if you have someone there that has a business that, look, this is for the kids in 20 years' time, that they'll come in and take it over, you're going to give them very, very different advice to somebody that says, I'm going to go hard and fast at this for a year and then flip it. Yeah, It's going to be chalk and cheese, totally different advice you're going to give them for for strategic planning for for wealth management for tax planning and all the rest so if you don't have the conversation you're not going to find that out and even if you don't quite know where you're going you can help with that goal setting exactly yeah ask those pertinent questions yeah get people thinking i think a lot of people do that they'll they'll start a business and kind of go let's see what happens yeah and they'll they'll push along and look serendipity can come in sometimes and kind of nudge in the right direction but um I think one of the things that we're quite good at as well is facilitation in terms of we we know hundreds of business people just by virtue of the fact that they're clients. We also know people in banks. We know people in investment. So we're quite good for, for pointing in the right. If we don't know the answer, we probably know someone that will. Mm, and it seems so complicated out there and trying to do business at the minute mm. with everything changing in a state of flux. And, and you're there for the good years and the bad years absolutely you have to be mm. you have to be and listen covid was was an example of that um it was uh it was a really strange time for us um we got we were busier than ever during covid um part of that was because we were bending over backwards to help clients with getting their grant money getting their furlough claims and all the rest and and we didn't charge a penny for that Did you not? We, we made the point at the start saying it didn't it didn't sit well with me to charge you at a time when you were on your knees and you didn't know if any money was coming in at all and we didn't know what was happening no you know i i think i assumed that furlough would last for a couple of months therefore we were happy to look after it and it went <laughs> okay. on for about 18 months but we i stuck to my guns and said no look we're not we're not charging for mm-hmm. for this um and did that stand you in good stead do you think Absolutely. That loyalty, Absolutely. that, you know what, we're here. <laughs> we we pretty much doubled our business during COVID. Gosh. 
by doing the right thing, even though the right thing was the hard of, thing. Yeah, and a lot of that was word of mouth then, where people were struggling. Like, I know stories of accountants that closed their doors and put themselves in furlough during COVID, which blows my mind. Mm. Whereas we were we were doing everything that we could. I was sending out any information that we were getting about grants or about money that was being made available. I was sending it out to clients and non-clients alike, you know, totally indiscriminately because people needed the help. And you could work remotely doing that as well. We work remotely. Well, yeah. we were we were fortunate enough that we we were working from home for about three months, and then we were back in the office, and we kind of kept all our rules in place. Um, so it was it was it was good that sense. Um, and then we always had the option. I'm I'm techie and geeky, so I was always from day one. I was always able to do remote working when I opened the practice. So it was, mm-hmm. COVID came along. It was like right, we're good to go <laughs> Here from we go. from the start. But yeah, look. Do you still think remote has a place though, and or do you do you like to see people face to face now? A bit of both. I mean, yeah. look, just with the, with the geography of some of the clients that we have, we have to have remote meetings, and occasionally we do try and try and uh, take the trip over to England mm-hmm. to, to do a whip round and meet a few of them. Yeah. Um, no, it absolutely has a place, and 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 even to this day, we have we have staff that will sort of say, "Look, can I work from home tomorrow?" And that's that's fine. It's not a problem. You mm-hmm. know, the yeah. phone. Flexibility and freedom, which is what you were talking about earlier, and just that trust um, is is the bottom line. Okay, you talked about being a geek. Mm. (laughs) You've already mentioned AI. Let's go there because it is something that scares me. But, uh, you know, you're you're an accountant, um, but you're big into AI and Mm. you're speaking about AI. So how do the two marry? Um, I've I've sort of made them marry just the, the... I suppose the two things that, that interest me the most are, are accountancy, boringly, and tech, maybe not so boringly. Um, the job of an accountant traditionally was do the books. Because of AI, to some extent, that job is is being shifted to one side and the accountant is becoming more of the the advisor, the trusted advisor. Um you know, if if the computer can do your accounts, what do you need me for? Oh. So that sort of puts the onus on accountants to, to step up. So that's what you were fearing? Not or is fearing. that what's going to happen? The computer will do the accounts? The yeah, numbers still have to go in? Oh, okay. Computers are already starting okay. to, to, you know, we, we, there, there's been apps there for years that you can take a photo of, of, a, of a bill that somebody sends yeah. you and it'll read it for you and it'll post all the information into the accounts for you. So... You know, historically, that was always probably the most expensive part of doing the accounts because someone had to sit with, you know, 50 bank, bank statements and type them onto a computer yeah. so they were in a usable format. Everything's in a usable format now, so let's train the computer how to do this little bit. Mm-hmm. And then once the numbers are done, they'll be checked, made sure they're accurate. And then that's when the fun starts. That's when you can you can start um, using your accountant more testing them a bit more to see look what do the numbers mean now what does this mean for the next year what do i need to do change how do i adapt is there anything there that scares you is there anything there that looks promising things like that so that's where all the 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 the, um the accountants know how should come into play then and they become more of the advisor rather than the guy that types the numbers onto the computer so in fact, instead of seeing less of your accountant, you might get to see more because the yep. numbers and the data are there. Yeah. 
and easier to access and you're yeah. not just waiting till the night before you have to pay, yeah. pay your bill um, and say, oh gosh, what, what's it going to be? I mean, a lot of people now are using online bookkeeping packages mm-hmm. like Zero. Yeah, we've got that in our business. Yeah, yeah. so pretty much, you know, I, and I use it myself. So the first 10 minutes of my day is basically getting in and tidying it up for the day before. So I have a real-time P&L. Like it used to be you'd get a P&L once a year. Once a year, absolutely. Whereas now it's there. You can you can take that data, bend it, twist it, compare this month to last month, this March to last March, you know, and, and, and see where you're at. Um, and it's very useful then that if someone rings you and has a question or is panicked about something that you can just click on, have a look at the numbers and go, well, here's what we can see now, rather than give us three weeks till we pull the accounts together and then we look at it. With AI, um, yes, it's it's going to have a, 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 a an impact in accountancy and, and how we do our job for the better, I think. Um, but it's going to infest every single business out there. And there's maybe a little bit of, of fear about that. Um, I don't think there should be. I think AI is not here to take your job. It's here to take your tasks. It's going to take the, the, the repetitive, time-consuming things that... You don't like doing no, anyway. They're the worst. Yeah, impact. and it's, it's going to free you up to do more. I think there was a, a a few years ago. I think there was a study of um, big companies using AI and trying to integrate AI, and ninety percent of them failed to find any benefit of it. And the ninety percent that failed were the ones that saw AI as the replacement for the human. Okay. You know, and let's face it, there are people doing jobs in companies that are legitimately concerned because yeah. their job was quite menial. Yeah. So those people who are not maybe upskilling or doing more than submitting the numbers or yeah. in- inputting, um, d- are they right to be scared? I don't think so. I think, I think it depends on the mindset of the business owner. If you look at AI and say, right, Let's let's bring this tool in, and we can get rid of Susan. She's she's, she's lazy, and she she drinks anyway. You know, <laughs> well, no, Susan's not lazy. Susan's disenfranchised, and she doesn't enjoy her job she's because it's, it's repetitive and it's challenging, and that's why she's drinking at night and coming in hungover in the morning. Whereas, Susan. if Susan gets to shift that stuff to one side, and you, as the business owner, empower her to do something better that she's capable of doing. You just haven't pushed her that way. You've given her something that you can train a computer to do. So now what are you going to get her to do? And it's an opportunity, I think, for businesses to 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 get the most out of people. You know, I think there are a lot of, of employees out there in jobs that don't feel valued because the thing they, they do isn't valuable or deemed valuable. But the person themselves has value in them. It's really interesting and a lot of employers will be listening to this and yes, if you are sitting thinking, oh gosh, we can replace somebody that's just not functioning, your message would really be, think again about that employee, why are they like that before you let them go? If you're going to put someone onto a building site to do a job, you equip them with the right tools. AI is a tool to equip your employees with and to help them flourish. So AI could also be seen as as the personal assistant that would perhaps Precisely. assist those employees that maybe need a little bit more support. Assist all employees all in employees. doing their job better. Better, okay. 
Yeah, I'm just thinking, even thinking outside of the box. A lot of people are are complaining they don't have enough people, they don't have yeah. the right skills, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but AI can, in fact, help the person whose maybe English just wasn't the best, so yeah. they can use something now that will help them, their grammar will improve, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, you know, don't see it as a threat, see it as something that could aid the progression of someone else. Exactly. I think if 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 businesses come with a combined strategy of let's invest in AI and in training our staff, the, the, the upside of that is, is phenomenal. And the upside of AI, this is the thing that probably interests me about it. I was, I was many years ago, I, I got involved in, in cryptocurrency and blockchain. And for, for years, that seemed like a solution in search of a problem. People were trying to shoehorn it into to different uh, platforms and things like that to go, look, we can use this to, to, to solve this. And it, it, it's still trying to find a fit. AI is a case of think of a problem and we can think of an AI to fix it. This is what AI is doing, though. It, it's it's taking everyday problems and, and um, finding a way to embed itself in them. So it, it's totally unavoidable. Mm-hmm. You know, all all movements in technology are unavoidable. You know, years ago when the TV came out, people in radio tried to badmouth it. You know, and when That's the right. internet came out, everyone's going to lose their minds. And, and you know, how is this going to... For every for every leap in technology, there are huge advantages to be found, and some people will try to focus on the negative, you know, the the evil that can happen with it. So someone can take your voice. I was going to say, forget Susan. What about Sarah in this podcast yeah. studio? <laughs> but but listen, someone could you know look at the look at the um, look at the politics behind AI. People are talking about deep fakes. You know, taking here's yeah. a video of Joe Biden slagging yeah. off such and such. Yeah, that can happen. But that's not the tech doing that. That's the human. Oh, right. For every piece of technology, if there's a, a misuse by the human, there's a misuse by mm-hmm. a human. There was a thing on the radio this morning and the headline was um, some government official warns about how AI could, you know, cause havoc because it's going to be used by hackers. It's like, yeah, it's by hackers. Mm-hmm. It's not the AI doing this. It's the, it's the hackers enabling the AI. And for every you know, piece of kit out there. If you look at it with an evil mindset, you'll use it for evil. Mm. You know, you can you can look at a, a, a butter knife as something to spread butter with, or you can look at it as a weapon that comes down to how you how you interpret it. There's and a we, good takeaway. And you can't you can't. I I've never been a fan of restricting tech because oh, you could use that for something evil. Look at Oppenheimer in the. Anyway, we'll move, we'll yeah, move on. We're wow, deep. we're getting very deep here. Um, so you're obviously fascinated by the subject and you've got a lot to say on the subject. Um, what's next for you and for Adrian Markey, Chartered Accountants? I, th- I think it's, look, follow that that blueprint of let's keep growing until it gets uncomfortable. Um, we, we punch above our weight at the minute um, and we, we do great work I want to keep doing that um, I've got some great staff down there that should be able to to help with that take on you know more responsibility we take on more staff and I, I, I'm comfortable knowing that we have the people there that'll be able to train them if I don't have the, the time to do it um, I enjoy what I do um, and if I can get that to, to balance in with my life then I, I, I'm always one for being, it's, it's the pursuit of happiness. 
that's the North Star for it. And it should be the North Star for every entrepreneur, not money, not social media followers. Are you content and happy in your own life? And if you're not, something needs to change. And if that's the business, it's the business. What about your wife? Does she, do you work together? We work together. She has her own kind of portfolio of clients. Um, she's very um, construction industry centred. She, you know, it's it's hilarious. She knows far more about building than I really should. You know, you know, you're sort of. I think as a man, you're expected to, you know, be good at manual labour and DIY. And I know none of that. And she knows she could she could build a house. Good I'm convinced. Um, but she's she's exceptional at what she does. You know, it's stuff that's um, way over my head. And and it, you know, I I'm I'm interested in tech, and therefore I go I go deep on that. Construction doesn't interest me as much. Yeah. It does interest her. She's from a, you know, all all her, her brothers are, are tradesmen, and she's worked in construction companies before as well. So she's um she's a force to be reckoned with in that industry. And what do you like doing in your spare time? You mentioned the music at the start. Is he still singing? No, this is in in the in the car. Less so in the car these days because I'm 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 just listening to podcasts. <laughs> so it's good. What are you listening you. to apart from uh, the Public Eye? Apart from the Public Eye, um, I love David Williams. Uh, mm. He's got a really interesting take on 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 economics and how it's kind of embedded in in every facet of life. Um, the rest is politics. Mm. He's really good. Um, not a subject I thought I'd be interested in 20 years ago, but when it's so impactful to businesses and to, to, to tax legislation and things like that, you do tend to, to follow it a bit more. And I think since COVID, I think everybody's kind of been more interested in what happens in, in politics. Absolutely. And in podcasts as and well. Podcasts, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and listening for a bit longer to educate yeah. themselves, which is, I think, what we really need. So uh, the music's not, you're not performing, but... Not performing, yeah. you know, let, noodling about a little bit at the house, maybe. Um, aside from that, we've just sort of taken taken to seeing the world a bit more in the last few years since COVID. So yeah. we like our little city breaks and our, our summer holidays. and That's what it's all about. It is, yeah. We were in... Um, Barcelona last year and we're, we're going back now in a few months phenomenal city wonderful so beautiful like architecture and everything it's, yeah. it's amazing like yeah. we we sort of the first day we were there we kind of walked about for a bit and went nah it's a big city what so what and then we turned down a side street and just kept going and you could be on this tiny little side street and you turn the corner and there's a massive like cathedral or or hall or something there and it's just it's mind-blowing but it's such a such a lovely city and, and the the temperatures make it a little bit more attractive as well so. absolutely we're, we're recording this in january and yeah it would be quite nice to be somewhere a bit warmer right yeah. now um adrian lovely to have you in the studio today we ask every guest this final question so i am going to ask you the biggie now okay. which is about the purpose of this podcast which is to inspire existing business owners and those ambitious entrepreneurs out there to grow their business by offering insight into the success of businesses such as your own. So what advice would you give people who have a business idea but have no idea where to begin or are unsure as to whether the risk is worth taking? That really comes down, again, this comes down to who's asking the question. Um, Me. <laughs> you. What's your business idea? No, I'm only joking. Um, I think... It, Regret is cancer. Regret is something that will fester inside you for years. So 
you have to balance that then with the question of does your current circumstance allow for the risk if you are in a steady job with three kids and a mortgage that's a tough one to take that leap of going I'm going to go for this um, we are in an era I think of abundance and if you have the work ethic to put the hours in after work to start the first small steps on building your business do that and if at some point it gets to a stage where you can take that leap as people often say um, and turn your attention to the business full time then do that you know there's there's there are no overnight successes it doesn't exist it doesn't happen that way you, you grow a business in months and years not in days and weeks so be ready for for be ready to put the work in um ask yourself if you have and be brutally honest with yourself have you got what it takes to 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 do this both in terms of do you have the time for it do you have the talent for it and i think the most important do you have the passion for it because yeah. without that um what's the point you know i think it's simon sinek talks about the difference between remember the exact wording of it he talks about you know if you're working for someone you feel stressed because you don't have the passion for it but if you've got the passion for something you don't feel that stress because it's it's just a it's something that you don't mind putting your time into Simon Sinek, working hard for something we don't care about is called stress. Working hard for something we love is called passion. There you go. I knew there was something in there. Thank you, Google. <laughs> and thank you, Adrian Markey, for joining me today on the Public Eye podcast. Brilliant conversation and delighted uh, to be hearing all about your journey and continued success. No worries. Thank you, sir. And thanks for having me and, and thanks for what you're doing, I think, on shining a light on entrepreneurs throughout the country and, and beyond. I think it's good to hear people's stories and, and seeing, you know, I'm sure lots of stories resonate with lots of people. So that could just be sparking something in somebody to, to take that leap and start that business. Fabulous. And you've added uh, another great story to the collection. Do check everything out wherever you get your podcasts from. We are nearly at our hundredth episode. So thank you so much to Adrian. Thank you so much to you for tuning in and do join me again for another episode. Next time I'm going to be joined by Barry Nielsen, OBE from CITB. So all about construction and skills for another fantastic episode of the Public Eye podcast. Bye-bye. This podcast was recorded in Granite Podcast Studio. Interested in starting up your own podcast but don't know how? Granite Podcast Studio can help. Record your podcast in our state-of-the-art studio, which is based in the heart of Newry City. Our studio has cutting-edge and user-friendly technology and can seat up to four people. We also provide an editing service our team using your guidance and editing notes to provide you with a flawless finished product, leaving your listeners wanting more. For more information on how you can get started, visit www.granitepodcaststudio.com. <laughs>